My heart is not proud, O oh Lord. Please have a seat. My heart is not proud, O oh Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have stilled and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, O church, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. The Lord this morning, it's so clear that by his Holy Spirit, he wants to bring rest to our souls. He wants to restore us. Some of us are in storms. Some of us are overwhelmed by the wind and the waves. And he's here to to say, be still to the waves and be quiet to the wind. And to lead us to that calm place that Lucy was prophesying about. He has that. He is our rest. He is our Sabbath rest. And he wants to bring us to a place of freedom and quietness in the busyness of life. I sit with my friends in life group. Most of us are in our 30s and 40s and we have school going children. And I actually can't believe the pressure that our schools in our beautiful little town puts on our children and on us as the parents. And it just seems to be a thing of keep calm and carry on, you know, that famous English saying that we drive our children. Sometimes I pass the same landmark five times in one day. I'm like, I'm sure I've seen that before. I'm sure I've seen that before. I'm sure I've seen that before. (laughs) And Rita said she often sees me in my little black Peugeot, you're like, vroom, I've got a mission in mind. And it's usually to take one of my children to an extramural and I see you parents, I see you, there's extra mats, there's piano, there's violin, there's dancing, there's karate, there's more dancing and more dancing, Amanda and Sam. There's just so much pressure on us and where do we find freedom in the busyness of life? Where is Jesus in this? Can we find Jesus and rest in him and be, you know, someone once said to me, you look like a duck, you know, you're gliding along the surface so peacefully, but underneath, I know your feet are going, your little web feet are paddling furiously, and yeah, just to keep that stillness and that peace that's beyond all human understanding in the eye of the storm is our challenge, and I love God's word. I just love the freedom and the truth that God's word brings. The fourth commandment is about the Sabbath. Now, I love to wrap up all the law and the prophets in just this, that Jesus said the most important commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then he said to his questioner, and the second most important commandment is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the first four commandments you'll see are all about loving God. And the last six commandments are about loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And we need God's grace and power to live those commandments. Many Christians today, we love walking in freedom. We love the fact that Jesus fulfilled the law. And what does that mean for us today with the Ten Commandments and especially the Sabbath, that we should take a Sabbath rest every week? Jesus fulfilled the law, yes. He died on the cross. He took all our sin on himself. 
he completely cleansed us of our sins and washed our sins away and threw them as far as the east is from the west. And so by doing that, he fulfilled the Mosaic law of the sacrifices that in the Old Testament, those poor people and all the animal lovers like myself, you know, that they had to sacrifice goats and sheep, lambs and doves to atone for their sins because without the shedding of the blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so the blood of those animals covered their sins. But thank God I live after those days because Jesus' blood cleansed me. He fulfilled those laws and no longer do we have to offer sacrifices because he was the perfect and ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And secondly, he fulfilled the law in that he gave us power the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit to live the moral and ethical um, law of the Old Testament. So all those dietary requirements that symbolize clean hearts, clean, clean hands, clean minds are gone forever. The sacrificial laws are fulfilled by the cross and the laws, the moral and ethical laws of the Ten Commandments are fulfilled in that Jesus is here today, so present with us, to give us the grace and the power to live out his commands, which are ruled by love. I mean, it's all about love. It's all about freedom with Jesus. God loves us. He loves us. And we love him back because he first loved us. Pierre shared when he was talking about love the Lord your God only, worship him only in the first commandment, that our God is a deeply personal God we belong to him and it's all about relationship. And so with the Sabbath, the fourth commandment, it's about relationship with God, that he wants us to draw near to him. And he's given us this amazing gift of Sabbath, 24 hours that are just ours to draw near to God and rest in him and for him to draw near to us and for us to meet with the assembly of God's people, drawing near to God as a body. And there's such power when we worship God together as a body because the, the Lord abides by his spirit in the praises of God's people. And I'm sure all of you this morning have been deeply touched by a personal encounter with God, almost more so than when you're on your own because he abides in the praises of his people. So I'm gonna talk this morning about what is the Sabbath? What is that great Sabbath rest that God has for us today in the 21st century after the cross? And secondly, what heart attitudes prevent us from entering into the Sabbath and receiving this amazing gift of Sabbath? Thirdly, what are some of the practical ways that we can live out the Sabbath today in Somerset West? And fourthly, there's gonna be a time of ministry where we just go back and drink from the river and drink from his presence and enjoy him. So let's go to the word and look at the Sabbath is, is mentioned so many times in the Bible, but the ten, it's in the 10 commandments in Deuteronomy 5:12, And again, Exodus 28 to 11, God said to Moses, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath, holy to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant or your maidservant. To me, that's your staff. And um, in Exodus 23, it says, so that your manservant 
and maidservant, and that would be your staff, may refresh themselves. So God is concerned about everyone on every level of society. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And Exodus 20, same words, but then God refers to creation and he says, honor the Sabbath because in six days, the Lord made the heavens and, and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day and God wants us to imitate him and be like him. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Holy means separate, special, set apart, dedicated to the Lord. In Leviticus 23, it says that the seventh day, the Sabbath, is a day of sacred assembly. And here we are together gathered in sacred assembly. God loves us enough to give us rest. What a gift, what a gift the Sabbath is. To me, the Sabbath is, is a mystery that I tried out um, about nine years ago, I decided to be a Sabbath keeper, and I'm going to share that personal story with you. And I realized what a gift, what a precious gift the Sabbath is. And because of the Sabbath, I'm still standing today, and I'm still in the ministry. You'll hear the story. Um, you know, when God gave this commandment to the people of Israel, they'd just been brought out of Egypt with his mighty hand and his outstretched arm. And he said to them, you were once slaves in Egypt, remember? Now this was, God is actually saying, you were driven by your taskmaster seven days a week, 24 seven, you were never given a breath. And I'm telling you, as your father who loves you, to stop, 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 you can stop. And this was good news to the people of Israel who'd lived in slavery and bondage, that they could stop, amazing. God cares more about our hearts than he cares about external realities. The amazing thing about our God is that his love for us is unconditional. He cares about us more than he cares about what we can do for him. So with Gracie, I care more about Grace than the fact that she can unload the dishwasher for me. That's a personal family joke. So God wants healthy hearts. And to me, Sabbath is Psalm 23, that he restores my soul. And he makes me lie down in green pastures and walk by quiet waters. That's the God we serve. And then out of the overflow of healthy hearts that he's restored, come healthy relationships, healthy work, healthy ministry, healthy outworking of our restored souls and hearts. It's, um, I was listening to a theologian um, on a podcast. He said, it's, it's the Sabbath is a promise to get your heart back in 24 hours. Get your, you can get your heart back whole. You can remember who you are in 24 hours. Because in this busy, crazy life that we lead, we can sometimes lose ourselves, lose our heart, forget who we are in Christ. But the Sabbath is a promise to get your heart back in 24 hours. Now, the people of Israel, we know, celebrated the Sabbath on a Saturday. So from sunset on a Friday to sunset on a Saturday, they celebrated. And let's look at, we've got pictures of Jerusalem in the daytime, beautiful city that I haven't been to yet. 
but I'm going to read an account about the Sabbath in Jerusalem. For 85% of each week, modern Jerusalem is a noisy place. One and a half million camera-wielding pilgrims jostle for space with the city's 800,000 permanent residents every year. Mix fervent prayer, the chatter of mothers walking their children to the market in prams, the volume of debate in cafes and at bus stops, car and taxi horns hooting, sirens blaring and feral cats fighting, and you have a mad symphony of sound. But as Friday afternoon marches towards sundown, these sounds fade and the city takes on a remarkable stillness. Save for a few taxis and service vehicles, cars disappear from the streets. Businesses close their doors. Voices become quiet and a holy hush descends on the city as the first star appears in the desert sky. It is Shabbat, the Sabbath. The hush holds the city in its embrace until about an hour or so after sunset on Saturday. And then the volume builds once again until the early evening of, of the Friday afternoon the following week. So what about us? What day, when do we celebrate the Sabbath? And that's a, that's a question and a, a debate that we can discuss because we're not legalistic, we're free as the church. The early church chose Sunday, which is the first day of the week and the day that Jesus rose from the dead to celebrate their Sabbath. And one of the first historical accounts of the early Christian church was by the governor Pliny to the emperor Trajan, where he was trying to make, like, understand this new sect of people who followed Christ. They called themselves disciples. Um, in Antioch, they were first called Christians. And he's like, what do these people do? The emperor Trajan's like, Pliny, what do these people who call themselves Christians do? And he said, they gather on the first day of the week before dawn and sing a hymn to Christ as God. That was the first thing that, that, the, that um, Pliny noticed about the early Christians. They gather on the first day before dawn and sing a hymn to Christ as God. And isn't that a lovely picture of freedom and joy? The early Christians meeting as new creations to celebrate together slaves, masters, free men, Romans, non-citizens. I mean, the one thing the Romans hated about the Christians is that they were levelers. You know, they brought people from the upper class and the lower class together to one level. And you can imagine people from all backgrounds, races, citizenships, worshiping Jesus together on the first day. And so the Sabbath is a gift from God where he invites us to enter in bask in his presence, to be filled, to be replenished, to be refreshed, to be renewed. I'm always so excited the day before Sunday. I'm in the garden and I'm cutting my jasmine or lavender, whatever's in season, and I'm putting them in little posies for the church bathrooms, and I'm getting my little bathroom towels together. And as I walk around the garden, I'm thinking, I wonder who's going to be at church tomorrow, where we're going to sing a hymn of praise to Christ as God. Is my my old friend from school going to be there? Um, is the lady, that girl I led to the Lord, or that new member of my life group going to be there? And I just have such a sense of joyful anticipation, thinking about gathering together in the assembly of saints to enjoy the Sabbath rest together. So, you know, to set aside a full 24 hours a day 
to the Lord as holy and sacred to the Lord requires an act of faith, doesn't it? I mean, we live in a very busy, crazy, performance-driven, anxiety-ridden world where we almost made to feel guilty if we stop, if we stop and we don't do anything. It's like, I feel a bit bad. I'm not used to this. It's like that feeling of after exams in high school, I should be studying, but exams are over. I'm feeling confused. Hey, girls. <laughs> so, but I've decided that I'm going to imitate God. If he rested on the seventh day, I'm going to rest on the seventh day. If he made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them in six days, I'm going to do this. I'm, oh, I'm not going to make the heavens and earth, but I'm going to do my work, and then I'm going to rest on the seventh day, even if I haven't finished my work. Because we all have these to-do lists, and some of us are more like obsessive-compulsive than others. We love to cross off our to-do lists, and we feel like a sense of satisfaction when our to-do list is crossed off. But if it's sunset on a Friday or sunset on a Saturday, and you've chosen Sunday to be your family Sabbath, even if that to-do list is not complete, put your work down, put your tools down, and enjoy the Sabbath rest. It's a gift that cannot be refused. It's a gift from God that cannot be refused. And it's an act of faith to do that. It's proclaiming, I've got a lot of work to do, but my God is bigger. He's bigger than my needs. He's bigger than my budget. He's bigger than my children's school fees. He's bigger than the food that I need to put on the table. And he's a God who can take the little and multiply it to make it enough. Sabbath to me is Jesus' invitation to come to him. And that was so much the message of this morning um, in the worship. Jesus is here and he's saying, come to me. Come to me. It's that beautiful, if we want to put it on the screen, that scripture from Matthew 11, where he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's coming to a still place where you can be still and know that he is God. He wants to offer us and you a deep, deep rest in your soul in this crazy world that we inhabit. Jesus proclaimed confidently when the Pharisees challenged him, he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was made for man. He was saying to the Pharisees who tended to put heavy yokes and more laws and regulations on the people than God ever intended. He was saying, no, 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 no. The Sabbath is made for man. It's my gift to you to enjoy and come back to me and enjoy rest and stillness of soul. It's not, you're not made for the Sabbath. You're not made to do more things and stop doing other things. And if your donkey falls in a ditch, you're not allowed to pull your donkey out of the ditch. No, no, no. The Sabbath is a gift from me to you. And it seemed like when you read the accounts of the Sabbath, I don't know if Jesus was doing it to irk the Pharisees, but the Sabbath was his favorite day to heal. And today, in our gathering, I sense such an anointing to heal that Jesus wants to heal broken hearts and broken souls, and that Jesus wants to give hope to people who are despondent and who've lost all hope. 
and he wants to give faith and power to those here who are living in fear. And he wants to make insecure people here confident again. He wants to lift up your bowed down heads. He wants to restore your souls. He wants to heal you. The Sabbath was Jesus' favorite day to heal. And he was always, you know, that he would go into the synagogue on, on the Jewish Sabbath and he'd see the Pharisees looking at him and then he would heal what was withered. He would heal what was bent down and bowed down. He would heal what was thrown into a ditch and rejected. He would heal on the Sabbath because the Sabbath rest is about coming to Jesus and finding restoration for our souls. And thanks, hon. And when Jesus was challenged by the, by the Pharisees because he fed his disciples on the Sabbath. So to me, the Sabbath is a day of being fed where you come and you just feast on the word of God. You feast on the truth of God that sets you free. Well, Jesus allowed his disciples to pick ears of corn. I mean, oh, shock horror, you know, they picked ears of corn on the Sabbath. And when he was challenged, he referred to 1 Samuel 21 when David was being chased by the crazy King Saul. And don't so many of us feel chased and pursued in life, like something's chasing us. And David was being chased by Saul and he went into a, a place of worship and he spoke to the priest and he said, look, I'm really hungry. Please give me some bread. And the priest desecrated the Sabbath by giving him food. He gave him the bread of the presence. And then David said to him, and I'm weak and defenseless. Give me a sword. And the priest gave him the sword of Goliath, that very sword that David had cut Goliath's head off with. So he gave him a massive sword and he gave him holy bread. And so the Sabbath to Jesus is a day when you come to be healed and restored. You come to get food, to get refreshed, food of the word of God. And you come to where weak and defenseless people get a sword. Weak and defenseless people are made powerful and strong again. We sang that beautiful Isaiah 40 song of strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. And so the Sabbath is waiting upon the Lord individually and communally as a, as a church family where God gives us a sword again. And we go out restored and strengthened and empowered. You're 24 hours from getting your heart back. 24 hours from getting your heart back. I just love that saying. That's what the Sabbath is. So in about 2009, Frank and I found ourselves in a place of tremendous battle where it almost seemed like the hosts of hell had been unleashed against us. And I don't know why, because we're just two normal, very like weak people. And, but somehow the hosts of hell decided to un unleash themselves against us. And I found myself in a place where my husband was ill and where there was battle for Tembelicha and battle for the life of our church. And I was in a battle. I had to fight for my husband and my family, my children, the church, Tembelicha. And I was armed. Boy, I was Joan of Arc. Don't mess with me. <laughs> so, but I, by, by Friday afternoon, I found that I was so distraught and so exhausted that I was literally shaking and my mouth was dry, which is a, a sign of tremendous stress. And so I said to the Lord, okay, I'm gonna do the Sabbath thing. I'm gonna be a Jew and I'm taking Saturday as my Sabbath because I have to work on a Sunday at church. And so literally as the sun set over False Bay, I downed my tools. I told myself, I'm not opening the, the internet banking. I'm not gonna look at what's in there. 
uh, you know, for one day, I'm not going to open my emails. I'm not going to even answer calls. I'm just going to rest and focus on you, Lord, and get food and healing and a sword. And the interesting thing is that by Saturday evening, as the sun set again over False Bay, I felt completely restored and strengthened. I wasn't shaking. My mouth wasn't dry. And I was ready to go out into battle again. And I realized what a gift the Sabbath is. That, you know, as the church, we tend to shy away from looking into the Old Testament for the secrets of success, almost. Like for the tools of, of thriving in this world and not just surviving and the Sabbath became my greatest gift that I treasure and look forward to with great anticipation every week. So there was another saying by some theologians that the Sabbath is like a cathedral in time. And there's a picture of Notre Dame Cathedral there for any of you who've been blessed enough to go to Notre Dame in Paris or St. Paul's in London or closer to home, St. George's Cathedral in Cape Town or in Grahamstown, there's a beautiful cathedral as well. And the Sabbath is a cathedral in time. When you go into a cathedral, it feels like the physical space that it occupies is, it's almost bigger. The cathedral is bigger than the physical space that it occupies, the volume of its walls and ceilings. You go in and there's almost a hushed stillness and wonderstruck awe and a holy sense of, of God who's bigger than us. And even unbelievers are hushed in their hearts and go into a still and quiet space. And so with the Sabbath, it occupies only 24 hours of the week. And yet it seems to arch over the other six days of the week. It seems to be bigger than and more powerful than just the 24 hours that it occupies. It's a cathedral in time for us to enter and enjoy God's rest. And we're not legalistic about the Sabbath. I mean, woe to us if we become like the Pharisees and say, you can do this, but you can't do that. The language used in this, about the Sabbath is quite broad. It's, it's broad, it's general, it's a warm and generous invitation. In the word of God, it says, honor the Sabbath, it says, remember, observe, uphold, delight in, and keep. It's not like God wants to micromanage us, but he does want to offer us a generous invitation to enter his rest. He's kind. He's tender-hearted. He sees you, and he knows you. He sees us mothers as we're driving around, you know, like, mm, avoiding near accidents and getting our children here on time. He sees the mothers and the fathers who strive every day of the week to put food on the table and to balance their budgets and to pay their bills. He sees, yeah, he sees your parents taking your children to Saturday sports and, you know, never having a break and feeling like you're absolutely exhausted and you wish you had Saturday to yourself, but you've got to go and cheer your sons on on the edge of the rugby field and have three heart attacks as they get tackled along the way. And he says, give me this time, give me 24 hours in your week. Are you feeling beaten up? Are you feeling weary? Are you feeling tired? Are things not working out? Come to me, come to me, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will restore you. To me, the story of, of Mary and Martha is very much the Sabbath story. So Mary and Martha have Jesus round to their house with their brother Lazarus. 
And Mary sits at the feet of Jesus in that Sabbath pose of rest. And she just drinks in from him. She drinks in his love that heals. She drinks in his truth that sets her free. She's just lost in, in wonderstruck awe at her savior and her friend. But Martha, 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 multitasking Martha with her spatula in one hand and her broom in the other hand, getting upset with Mary for, for, you know, for being lazy. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you worried and distressed about many things, but Mary has chosen what is better. Come and sit with me, hun. Come sit here. Have a Sabbath rest and sit at my feet. So what is it that stops us from delighting in the Sabbath, from enjoying the Sabbath? To me, there are three heart issues that stop us, and those are pride, fear, and unbelief. And, you know, we want to, our our society around us is heading towards total work. There's almost a thing of total work. It's like 24-7. And um, I read a story about a Japanese student who was at one of the Ivy League universities in America. Let's say it was Harvard. And he was looking really upset. And his American friend said to him, why so downcast? Why? What's wrong? And he goes, you won't believe it. The Japanese government is changing the law so that there's one day off in a week of seven. We used to work seven days a week and our government is making us rest on the one day of the week. And if I'd been his friend, I would have said, but have a look at the Western world, which seems to be the most prosperous, um, that that has generally based its laws and practices on the word of God and practices the Sabbath, and they are wealthy and strong. Surely there's some secret to practicing the Sabbath and having one day off a week, and your country will still prosper. In fact, it'll be more prosperous than ever before. Unbelief, unbelief says, I can't stop working for one day of the week. I'm too scared. I've got to open my emails. I've got to keep working. I, I just can't do it. I, 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 don't, I don't trust God enough. But faith says God is bigger and God knows all and sees all and God will take care of you. Fear says, I'm afraid of failure. I have to keep my fingers on the pulse. I have to prove myself to my parents and my colleagues and my friends. I have to stay ahead of the game. I've got to work seven days a week. And faith says, God is enough. My identity is in him and not in my worldly success. I can stop. I can rest for a day because I've got nothing to prove. Pride says, I like like to look busy all the time. I'm important. I get 300 emails a day. And because I'm important, and if I don't work all the time, the world will fall apart without me because I'm important. <laughs> and faith says, no, I'm a humble child of God. I'm not bigger than God. I mean, if God took one day off a week, I'd better take a day off a week. I mean, I'm not bigger than him. I'm not greater than him. I'm not more important than him. I need to imitate him. And The interesting thing is that busyness can be a drug, almost like a narcotic, that keeps us from facing the real issues that are in our hearts. Um, The Sabbath can almost expose the inner loneliness and pain and fear and rejection in our hearts. I remember when I was 20-something, I would just go, 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 go and cram my day 
because I didn't want to face issues in my heart. I didn't want to stop and rest because then everything would just come up to the fore and it was too painful to deal with. And so faith says, no, I know who I am. I'm made in the image of God. I'm not that important. I trust God enough to humble myself before him and rest one day a week. Remember that God said, you were once slaves and I brought you out of Egypt with my outstretched arm. And so he can free us. He can set us free from that pride, that fear, and that unbelief that keeps us from enjoying rest. The world will never stop. Do you know that? The world will never stop, but we need to. Remember, I said, even if your to-do list is not complete, stop. It's almost like we've been countercultural and subversive. It's almost like we're rebelling against worldliness and the system of the world that wants to drive us. Um, sometimes, because we live beyond Solari's Pass, sometimes I have to stop my car, and here we have the picture of, of the shepherd, and there are lots of goats, sheep, and cows, and then precious little children who just run free in Solari's Pass village. So I have to often stop my car. You've got to drive very slowly, any of you who come to visit. As a whole flock of sheep are crossing the road and I love to watch the 12 14 year old boys who just like they are the shepherds they are the herdsmen and they are onto these sheep boy they are throwing stones they're clapping them hello meta clip um shouting whistling swearing setting their dogs on the sheep the sheep are biting the back of their the, the dogs are biting the back of the of the sheep's heels and it's just it's, it's quite hectic, the way the sheep are driven. And to me, that, it's such a picture of how the world drives us from behind, drives us. There's almost like a panic and a fear that wants to drive us. But yet Jesus is the shepherd who sees that we are harassed and helpless. And he wants to lead us from the front. Do you see that? Those are sheep who, who know that it is well with their little souls. They know their master's voice. They know their shepherd's voice. It's gentle. He knows every one of his sheep by name. And it says in Isaiah 40 that he guides those who have young gently. He gently leads those who have young and he holds their little ones close to his heart. So he's got you and he wants to gently lead you who are harassed and helpless. And he's got all your children close to his heart. Everything that's dear to you and beloved to you, he's got close to his heart. So come to me, he says, come to me, you who are weary and burdened and find rest in me. Get your heart back in 24 hours. Remember who I am and I will remind you of who you are in me. A bruised reed I will not break, a smoldering wick I will not snuff out. I will restore the bruised and breathe life into you again if you just give me the Sabbath as I've given it to you. We, um, in Exodus 23, 11, there's a similar principle in the law of leaving a field to lie fallow for one year after every six. And I read up a little bit, a bit about it. It says, it has been known since ancient times that if a field is left unplanted, it will regain much of its fertility. And so in this rotation of crops, agricultural principle that God introduced, 
Every time there's a thunderstorm, every time thunder goes off and lightning, nitrogen falls down from the sky into the soil and enriches the soil and makes it more fertile. The plants, because it's remained unplanted, are not drawing minerals out and depleting the soil. And the beautiful principle that God said, and let the poor and needy feast from this field and the animals as well. I love God's heart for the poor and needy and also for animals. He's just, he's my God. <laughs> I just so relate to him. And um, so it's very, funny enough, and what? And birds. Frank's a keen bird watcher. He loves birds. So it's the same principle of letting your heart lie fallow so that you can be restored, so that the rich minerals can enrich your heart again. And you can, funnily enough, be more fruitful. Those fields are more fruitful and productive in six years than they are in seven. And so with us, we, we're actually more fruitful, more um, productive in six days than we can be in seven. And that's our God. He's someone who multiplies the little. His principles are upside down. It's it's like, but that doesn't make sense, God. If I walk, work for seven days a week, I'm going to be more productive. I'm going to be richer and better off. And he says, no, if you work for six days a week, you're going to be more productive and fertile. And so lastly, before we go into our time of ministry, the practical outworking of the Sabbath. I mean, we need to get together. I mean, I really want to get together with Frank and just talk about what does the Sabbath mean as a family how are we going to practice Sabbath? As friends, as circles of friends, as communities, as life groups, how are we going to practice Sabbath? What does it mean for pastors? We work on Sundays. What does it mean for surgeons or mall shop owners who have to sign contracts to have, have their shops open seven days a week? How are we going to practically enjoy the Sabbath together? And there's some, there's some simple ideas like preparing your food the day before, keeping it simple, not overdoing it. Parents of young children, you rest, you sleep, I'll pick up the Lego so the two-year-old doesn't choke on it. One person on duty, one person off duty. I remember those days. Um, and then also, you know, the Sabbath is a day of intimacy with God and communion with God, but it's also a day of intimacy as a sacred assembly and communion with one another. And so to open your table and to invite people from the family of God to your table and practice hospitality with the simple food that he prepared the night before. Invite single mothers, invite single people to your, not just the, you know, the us for no more type of family that you are, but actually to reach out broader. Invite our dear friends from every nation, Zola, who are family in Christ and the most precious, delightful people who will feed your soul, invite them to your table, just expand the tent pegs, broaden your tents and invite people to sit at your table on the Sabbath and feast on grace together. So those are some practical tips. Um, the Sabbath, enjoying the Sabbath one day a week does not mean I, I, you know, I work like a Trojan, I'm a workaholic for six days and then I collapse on the seventh day. The Sabbath is, yeah, I know some of you guys. The Sabbath, practicing Sabbath should change the entire fabric of our lives. It's remembering that he's God. It's remembering to trust God. It's remembering to pause in the busyness. 
sometimes I'll be taking clothes off the line at, at the back of the laundry and I'll just stop and I'll practice a Sabbath moment in my day and I'll listen to the birds, I'll look at the trees, I'll hear the wind rustling through the leaves, I'll just look at the beauty of the mountains and I'll practice a Sabbath moment where I fix my eyes again on Jesus and get refreshed in the middle of my day. So Helene, I'd love you to come up with your team. The Sabbath is a day of being present to God, of being present to his presence so that we can take his presence out to a lost and dying world. He fills me up on the Sabbath, fills me with his presence so that I can take his presence to a world that is devoid of him. And I'm gonna dare to stop the work of my hands for one day a week and give him the work of my knees. Prayer is not always intercession to change the world, but prayer is Sabbath and Sabbath is prayer. Prayer is communion with God, it's intimacy with God. It's being filled with his spirit and his presence again, refreshed, restored, coming to Jesus and taking his light yoke on yourself. I'm getting reorientated towards God. I'm getting closer to him so I can be closer to others. I'm getting my heart back in 24 hours. I'm stopping to allow God to strengthen and empower me again. I'm getting that sword when I feel weak and defenseless. I'm getting that bread of his presence and I'm getting healing. And I really believe now as we draw near to God in our hearts and Helene has got the most beautiful song that addresses those heart issues that stop us from coming to Jesus and resting in him. I believe that Jesus is here this morning and waiting for you to come to him. Come to me, come to me, my son, my daughter. Come to me, let go of your burdens. I'm here to heal you. I'm here to strengthen you. I'm here to feed you.
I lift up my eyes to you, to you whose throne is in heaven. As the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid looks to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, till he shows us his mercy. And I see Jesus, he's got you and he's stroking your hair and you're on his lap. And he's saying to you, let your anxious fears subside. Drop your burdens. Cast them on me. Come to me. Come to me and receive from me. Receive my love that heals you. My love, my acceptance heals you. You can't be rejected. No one can call you rejected. Because I've called you accepted. You're accepted in me. And he's lifting up your bowed down head. And he's restoring your confidence. He's that solid rock on which you stand. No one can knock you down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you will lead us and guide us and show us how to enjoy and appreciate and receive this gift that we can't afford to refuse. The Sabbath rest. The Sabbath rest. What a precious gift, Lord. You want to restore us weekly. You want to heal us weekly. You want to feed us weekly. Yeah. I was reminded 
about Ezekiel chapter 37, a very well-known piece of scripture to all of us, or maybe not to you. God took the prophet Ezekiel into a valley of dead bones, and he asked him the question, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel responded saying, God, only you know. And he says, prophesy, speak to these bones, and say to these bones, and here's what the, what the, what the prophet should have done, is say to these bones, this is the word of God. So speak the word of God to these bones. And sometimes our, our rest is in the action that we take to actually speak the word of God over our lives. Some of us might feel like those sheep that, that Kay described where life has been rushing us and, and there's been things chasing us and there's budgets and deadlines and we feel dead on the inside because we're in this constant rush. And what God does, He can do in a moment where we just, like Ezekiel, speak to the dead bones and say, dead bones, life. Come back to life in God again so that I may enter this rest. So that I may feel this. Some of us are in very broken moments in our relationships. Very broken moments. If we have faith this morning, we can speak over the dead bones of relationships and God can come and He can heal and He can bring life again. Some of us are sensing dire situations in our own families that God wants to come and bring life to. In our financial states, there's so many things I can mention. Some of us feel purposeless. We're like, God, what am I doing here? What, what, what am I, what's my daily life looking like? It's just a rat race from the one thing to the next. I don't think, feel that anything makes sense. This morning, God wants you to have faith in your heart and speak to the dead bones in your body and say, live by the word of God. And maybe for some of us here this morning, you've never actually made the decision to enter God's rest. We speak about this and, and you've never actually said, God, you know what? There's so much you have in store for me. I want to I wanna accept it and put action to my belief. And this morning, we're going to take a moment to activate this word by speaking to the dry bones in our lives. But before we do that, I want to give an opportunity to anyone here this morning that feel that they want to respond to this message of Christ. I'm going to give Frank the opportunity to lead this moment, and then we're going to be ministering to one another. Kate quoted a scripture that said, Come unto me, all that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. For some this morning in this gathering, you've never actually got to the point where you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and entered into that rest. Well, the good news is this morning is your turn. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads close their eyes and I'm not talking about whether you grew up in a Christian family or not or whether you've been to Sunday school most of your life or to church I'm talking about the day that you made a decision to give your life completely over to Christ to Jesus your Savior I want you to think about that for a second Today is a day where we choose. We can never take the Sabbath without the Lord of the Sabbath. We will never experience the rest that can come without experiencing the Lord of the rest. So if you're here this morning and Jesus is not the Lord of your life, I want you to be bold enough to raise your hand 
could say, that's me this morning. Go ahead and just stick your hand up in the air and say, Frank, that's me. Today I choose to enter that rest. God bless you for your boldness. Who else is there this morning? God bless you. Anybody else you want to enter his rest? Perhaps you were born again and you backslid and you went back into your old ways, but this morning you've decided to come home. Today you're going to make a decision to purposely enter back into his rest and once you put your hand up too, just say, that's me. God bless you at the back. Anybody else? Let's pray this together. Father, today we come in faith and we acknowledge our weakness and our sin. Lord Jesus, we believe that you died for us. You took our place. And you forgive us our sins. I believe that you were raised again from the dead and are seated at the right hand of God. And you are the Lord of the Sabbath. Won't you be the Lord of my life? In Jesus' name. The Bible says when anyone prays that prayer that all of heaven erupts with praise. So let's praise God for that this morning. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, we will be available as leaders up front. Please come forward. We want to pray with you. We want to connect with you. Before we go this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to take a moment to minister to one another. I want every single person to be bold this morning and find a group of one or two other people around you. And it's not going to have, be, have to be a long talk. All you say is, if there's an area of dry bones in your life, just say, you know what? If I think about my family, it's dry. If I think about my marriage, it's dry. If I think about my finances, whatever it is, just say it. And then for the rest of us to speak life, that we will speak the word of God over one another this morning so that life can come. So we don't have to strive anymore. We don't have to stress. We don't have to work. We can rest in the easy yoke that Christ is. Can we do that this morning? Maybe there's nothing in your life that's great. That's cool. Then you just speak life to others. All right. So let's take a moment. Just, just as you are, gathering little groups, speak life over one another before we conclude this morning. It's Kirsty. Kirsty.
Yeah, I would just leave it.